0: This is Priyanka Mattoo, and you're watching the TV Writer Podcast.
1: My name is Gray Jones, and I want to welcome you to the TV Writer Podcast, partner of Script Magazine, episode 109, for August 4th, 2020. Well, today I have the pleasure of bringing you an interview with Priyanka Mattu. Priyanka is a writer and filmmaker. She's a former UTA and WME agent, and she's also a Vulture columnist, And uh, in particular, the reason that I wanted to bring her on the podcast was because of an excellent article she wrote on Vulture called, What's the Best Way to Find a Mentor in Hollywood During Lockdown? I thought this would be of particular interest to us right now because of course we are in lockdown and you might be wondering what you can do to reach out to people. So you're definitely going to appreciate the things she has to say, not just about this, but about a lot of other industry stuff. Um, it's of of special interest to if you are trying to break in or maybe new on staff, lots of great tips in this interview. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do it for as little as 25 cents per episode. You can find out how you can become a patron of the podcast or a sponsor of the podcast at tvwriterpodcast.com slash support. Make sure to subscribe on all of the places you can find this podcast. Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, the TVWriterPodcast.com site, or also at ScriptMag.com, and now also on Pandora. And if you're on Instagram, please follow at TVWriterPodcast. Please do follow me on Twitter at Gray Jones is my handle. You're going to love the interview with Priyanka. Let's roll. Well, this is great, and I'm so pleased to be here with writer, filmmaker, former UTA and WME agent, and vulture columnist, Priyanka Matu. How are you doing, Priyanka? I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I am so excited to have you on because I think you can speak to uh, a segment of the people in this industry that are... Possibly in in a in a situation that is most unknown right now Um, And that is with with this virus people have been working for a while. They're busy. They know what to do But um, I I was particularly interested by your article about uh, what's the best way to find a mentor during In Hollywood during lockdown and I think that people who aren't working yet It may be unclear what to do and I would love to speak to that today
0: Yeah yeah, it's um, it's a real anxiety I keep hearing. I think I, I tend to hear the same questions over and over again in clusters, and mm. I really get a sense of what anxiety is going around the young writers um yeah. at that time. So I heard that a lot, like, what can I be doing other than just writing scripts? Like also people just looking for guidance when, especially in this country, we don't seem to have um a lot. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Leave it at that. Yeah. Um, just people looking for like someone more experienced to say everything's going to be okay. Mm. Um, I say that my columnism is kind of a monthly, everything's going to be okay. And mm-hmm. so that's what I was trying to get across.
1: Very cool. And we're going to talk at length about that after the break. But first, I want to um, hear all about you. I mean, wow, you've got a pretty um, full story. I'm going to say that. Uh, but but talk about sort of where you grew up, how you ended up in the U.S., and, and how you ended up as an agent at, uh, at UTA, WME, etc.
0: Oh, my God. It was a wild ride. It was action-packed. I didn't grow up in the United States. I was born in India in Kashmir and then uh, grew up abroad in England uh, and in Saudi Arabia. And we moved to the U.S. when I was a teenager uh, at mm-hmm. the beginning of high school, like in the middle of my freshman year to suburban New York um, for my dad's job. He's a doctor. And... Um, and I thought, you know, I was going to go to med school. I was going to go to MIT and become mm-hmm. an aerospace engineer. And then I was going to, then I was going to go to med school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was just going to do what I—that was my plan. And, yeah. uh And then I got to college, and I realized there were so many interesting, cool things that I could be studying. So, um, so I went to law school instead, just so I could not take biology classes. So a- a- aerospace,
1: and- medicine, and then law. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. I just, I just, I bought myself some time going to law school. I majored in Italian. Uh-huh. I lived in Italy. I really have this very, wow. like, this liberal arts dream lifestyle. And that, mm-hmm. that, that made me realize that I wasn't meant for a life in medicine. Mm-hmm. and so I moved out we we're here with I uh, went to law school <laughs> and then um I knew I didn't want to practice I was glad I did it but I just didn't want to practice mm-hmm. and um I didn't even know that agencies existed I started talking to a friend who was moving to LA and she said you know you might be a good fit for an agency and I said I don't I don't have a tv I don't it doesn't make any sense to me yeah. so I started doing my research and I found Peter Benedek, who who is one of the co-founders of UTA, Hmm. he went to Michigan like I did, and he was a lapsed attorney as uh, I was. And I reached out to him with my resume and I said, I'm just graduating from law school. I would love to, you know, work in an agency. And he said, come out Mm -hmm. for an interview. And he hired me and I moved out three weeks later. So knowing basically nothing other than what I had Googled, um, I thought, well, here's an adventure. I was 23 three at the time, maybe. Mm-hmm. So it was the kind of time in your life when you're when it doesn't matter so much. Uh, I thought I'd try it. My parents were nervous, but they said, you know, do it for a year and mm-hmm. then um, and then see how you feel. You can always move home.
2: Mm-hmm. Of course,
0: I said I'm never moving back to Michigan.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and um, and then I got promoted very quickly. I really found my feet here. I didn't know comedy existed as mm-hmm. an industry. Um, and I found uh what you know I found out that the things that I had always liked the things I had always had an eye for picking out people that were funny picking out material that was funny mm-hmm. was something that I could actually turn into an income
2: mm-hmm. and that
0: was shocking to me so I was promoted very quickly I was an agent um I think I was an assistant for a year maybe a year and a half mm-hmm. um and then I was an agent. Um, Very quickly. Um, And so I was working with all these movie stars all of a sudden. It Mm -hmm. was crazy. It was a crazy it was a crazy ride. Um, And when they said they were going to promote me, I remember Peter and my my old boss Sharon calling me and saying over Christmas one time I was home with my parents and I was like, you guys are all nuts. I'm going to go. They will. (laughs) No one will be offended by this. They know. Um, I said, you guys are all nuts. Agents are crazy. I'm going to go take the bar exam and I'm just going to be a lawyer. And they called wow. me over Christmas and said, what do you need? They're like, you're, you're good. You can, you know, you're just good. You're good with the clients. You mm. know what's funny. You know, you like you have all the skills. Um, and I said, well, I need more money. <laughs> and they were like, okay, well, give it, we have money. <laughs>
2: you
0: know, like, we have yeah. money. And I said, well, what, you know, I don't think I want to be an agent. And they said, why don't you try it out for a year? <laughs> And if you don't like it, it was ridiculous, ridiculous that I had to have this conversation. If you don't like it, then we'll help you find another job. And then you won't be Mm -hmm. an assistant, dum-dum, you know, Yeah. which was a very good point. And so I tried it out for four more years. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good try. (laughs) Yeah. I started signing yeah. my own people, which was super fun. That was my favorite part mm-hmm. of the job. So I signed, um, you know, my first client was Ellie Kemper and mm. then I signed Kumail and then Johnny and I loved my clients, Jenny Slate. Mm. I worked with, you know, like a lot of really cool up and up. They're all famous now. Yeah. Um, but signing those people and because they found their footing really quickly, um, gave me a lot of credibility, you know, it's, mm. it's such a funny town. So, yeah. so once I started signing these people, people started taking me seriously. Um, and and at the same time, I was already working with these sort of higher like high level talent. So so I started out with a really good rolodex. Mm,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> and and then and then I and then I didn't want to be an agent anymore. I really did try to quit every year. I would go into my <laughs> yearly meeting, and they would say, "What if we yeah. give you more money?" Or here's your bonus. And and I was like, I just it's not for me. I, something's missing, mm, and I didn't know what yeah. was missing. But when um, Jack Black, who I had worked with on the agent side, um, was getting an offer to fund a TV company and he was kind Mm -hmm. of like, well, who would I hire? You know, he's got a, it's, it's not a decision anyone could take lightly to like let Mm -hmm. someone into into their lives. And I was like, well, I'm already here, you know, and I don't want to be (laughs) at the agency. And so I left and I, and I built a TV company for him. So I was partnered with him for five years. And in that job, I didn't, again, did not know what I was doing. I remember mm. week one Googling how to give notes. <laughs> I was like, what do they look like?
1: And, and never... You know the funny thing is big on the receiving end of notes, it's a is a common joke about how how long somebody may have been doing their job before giving that note.
0: week one he was like could you turn around some notes on the script and I was like "Mm." (laughs) (laughs)
2: wow I mean
0: I got pretty good at it I learned I learned I learned how a script was built inside and out I Mm -hmm. learned how to develop a pitch so that it sold we sold like I don't even know 40 pitches in the five years I was with him we we, we, that was something I got really good at was pitching Mm -hmm. and selling tv shows um and um And ultimately, I was doing more and more of the creative lifting, especially since I really enjoyed walking first-time writers through their first sale.
2: Hmm.
0: So as I was teaching people to come up with TV ideas and sell them, you know, then I had my first baby and I thought, wait a minute. Like, I'm this close to the material and I have so many ideas and so many things Hmm. that I want to say. Why don't I just try it? And I was a little bit secretive about it. I had only told Hmm. Jack. I said, I'm going to try writing this thing and shooting it and if it's bad no one will see it and if it's good maybe you know it'll change my life mm-hmm. so when my child when I had a toddler at the time it was 2018 2017 I wrote a short film and I wrote it for my favorite actress who's a woman named Mira Seil who lives in England she's a mm-hmm. comedy legend British British Indian comedy legend I wrote it for her I'd met her once on a set and I held on to her email address and I wrote this short mm-hmm. film I shot it at my house I wow. sent it to her and said, we've only met once. Would you fly to Los Angeles? <laughs> <laughs> I can fly you here on points um, wow. and do my short film. And and it just came together. It came together. Wow. I shot it in a weekend. Um, And it was the first time I ever felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. This is re- I woke up the first day I was supposed to direct and I was terrified. I was terrified of directing and I just... And it just felt like home. Mm, I mean, I did shoot at my cool. house. <laughs> Shot at my house. I yeah. <laughs> I still remember the ad yelling at me about wearing um, wearing uh, flip flops in my mm. house before we. Yeah. He was like, "You can't. You got to wear closed-toed shoes." I was like, "I just woke up at my house, so yeah. <laughs> I
2: haven't
0: time to put on real shoes yet." But the yeah. but the film the film the short film uh, it went to a bunch of festivals. It played in Cannes. Um, I was super pregnant with my second baby by then. So I couldn't even go to the festivals Wow! and um, I sold it to Amazon as a, as a TV, sh- TV idea. That was my first sale. Oh
2: wow. Um,
0: and so I wrote that, that pilot for Amazon. I didn't go forward, but it was kind mm-hmm. of what got me, got me into the, into the writing, uh, game. Mm-hmm. And I sold that with, um, with Jake Kasdan and Achka Khan producing. So, so yeah, since then it's been wow. pitching and selling and writing. And that's what got me doing this
1: very 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 cool and what a neat story i I love those um like the very unlikely situations and things Mm. come together like that
0: yeah it was highly unlikely (laughs) (laughs) i say that i kept taking like baby steps toward what i ultimately wanted to do it just took a second Mm. for me to realize it
1: yeah and you've you've invested pretty heavily into podcasting tell me about your podcasting stuff
0: yes so podcasting i was waiting for my amazon deal to close on that first sale that i was telling you about and it was mm-hmm. taking a really long time and so my two friends i think because i was used to the pace of an agency that has never mm-hmm. left me um and so two friends of mine who are longtime podcasters came to me and said you know we'd like to start a podcast uh, network that that focuses on female hosts on women hosts mm, very cool um uh, and I said, I love the idea. I'll help you get it off the ground. Because I do have that business brain that hmm. was, was sitting idle while I was writing, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: Um. And so, I, so yeah, we partnered up and got it off the ground. And we were expecting to have a few shows that first year. But it ended up being 13 shows.
1: 13. Wow. Yeah.
0: The first person on board was Margaret Cho,
2: mm-hmm. which
0: was unbelievable. Wow. Again, that's that's where my background helps because her agents at WME felt safe partnering mm. her up with me knowing that it wasn't going to be bad and I knew how to deal with with talent and, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, and, yeah, we just celebrated our first year, but it's been an amazing year. I mean, we, we – yeah, 13 shows, all really, like, critically acclaimed. We m- made money. I mean, it's, mm. you know, knock on wood, it's going pretty well. Um, but, yeah, I think I just am so attracted to storytelling in any form that this – And the low barrier to entry was really appealing to me, especially in helping Mm. women who I know, you know, instead of churning through the sort of like pilot pitching process, could have an idea and then just make it. It's so freeing.
1: Yeah. Very, very cool. Um, and you you also podcast, um, you do a wellness, beauty wellness podcast? Um... I
0: have a, yeah, I host a podcast, which I didn't mean to do. It wasn't on purpose necessarily. Mm-hmm. I had an idea for a beauty and wellness podcast hosted by women of color um, mm-hmm. because I felt like that was a big hole in the market. And then yeah. um, because we were so DIY, we were funded off of a Kickstarter basically, mm-hmm. um, I realized I couldn't actually afford a host, so I had to host it myself. <laughs> uh- <laughs> 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 and I, I was very reluctant, but... Yeah. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy it because it's we're having conversations um, that are that need to be heard. I think
1: mm. that's the best reason to start a podcast. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah I agree. I, so actually, yeah, that's... when
1: I mm, when I started this one, it was now back in two thousand and ten. There wasn't mm-hmm. a lot out there about TV writing, and I, I and especially about TV writers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was sort of how you do this, how you do that, but there wasn't a lot of sort of the backstory of people's lives, and right. that was a lot of why I started this one.
0: Right. And that stuff I think is so inspiring because you can talk about the craft all you want, but until you mm. hear someone's personal story, mm. it's harder to connect.
1: Yeah. Very cool. And and so How I Found You was your Vulture article on mentoring. But before we get into that article, I want to take some time to just showcase the dozens of articles you've written on that column um, and also other publications, uh, which I, everybody can find at your website, um, prima com.
0: Yeah, I archive everything on there because I know it's it's useful. Um,
1: yeah. uh, let me, let me yeah. just mention a few of the titles because I think people will sort of get an idea of of, um, of what's there. What four showrunners look for when staffing a room? The pilot script checklist? How do I deal with harassment at my TV writing job? How exactly does someone pitch a TV show? Um, these are some great topics. Um, what was the inspiration for this column?
0: Um, you know, like anything else I take on, I, 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 if I feel a compulsion, I just, I have to, I have to do it. So, um, I've always been, I say that my type is big sister. I am a big mm-hmm. sister, and that's kind of how I navigate the world. And so I was having all these coffees with like young writers, and, and I thought, I need to codify this. So I called mm-hmm. at the time because I worked primarily in comedy, I called Splitsider. And I said, You don't know me. You remember Splitsider? was owned by the All. Oh, it was a comedy site that got absorbed into Vulture late, uh, mm-hmm. later. So I called Splitsider. I didn't know them at all. And I said, Listen, you don't know me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I
0: have an advice column to pitch very very on brand yeah I was like here are the things I want to address and I just started writing it and then when it got absorbed into vulture they called me and they said you know we we love we love your column and we think it's really important and would you want to keep writing it and I said of course of course mm. I mean it's it's my public service a little bit because I can't have 100 coffees I have two jobs and I have yeah. two kids and 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 but all of the advice I have to give I try to put in the column so that people can access it whenever they want and so they can share it and pass it around, and. And I think a lot of people traditionally have been kept away from the industry because it feels so opaque. Mm. And um, and I've been fortunate enough to really get in quickly and easily and have people help me along the way. And so mm. it's just paying it forward.
1: Yeah, very, very cool. Um, do you ever think about writing a book? I mean, you've got enough material.
0: <laughs> yes, 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 of course, of course. Of course, whenever I find mm-hmm. the when I find the time. I mean, there are two books yeah. that I want to write. One is just, about, I write, um, I write essays uh, also mm-hmm. for the New York Times and for the New Yorker and, and that kind of thing, just personal essays. So I have about, about my childhood, which is, you know, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so there's one book idea that I have that's a book of personal essays about looking for a home. Searching for a home my whole life when mine disappeared. I was from Kashmir and we haven't been back since um, this exodus in 1989. So that's one book. And then, yes, it would be, I think, a manual for Mm. writers wanting to enter the industry. You know, that, too, I think would be really helpful. Just like a book that people can actually pick up and leaf through. Um, Yes, I have thought about that. I, Mm. I probably will do that.
1: Well, but for now pretty... it's free on the internet <laughs> yeah yeah but well, yeah please avail yourself prima um and I'll, I'll put a link in the description of the episode yeah. uh well you have a pretty unique viewpoint i mean coming at it from i mean being at the big agencies and and your your production company with jack black and and also all the pitching and now you're filmmaking and writing um so I, I think there'd be a lot there to uh, uh to merit a book Um, But we're going to take a quick sponsor break right now, and we'll be back to talk all about finding a mentor during lockdown. Drivingfootage.com provides 4K, nine-angle driving plates for film and television. Over 14,000 clips are available for locations all around Southern California, with more areas coming soon. A fully equipped camera car with height-adjustable rig is available for custom shoots and second-unit photography. Visit drivingfootage.com for details. avgearguide.com provides computer and gear rentals serving the L.A. area, including laptops with final draft, as low as $9 a day with long booking rates available. They also scan photos, documents, video and audio tapes, and film reels to digital, so you can easily share with your friends and family. Mention the name of the TV Writer podcast and you will get 10% off your order. Visit avgearguide.com for details. Full disclosure, I do own both of these companies. By supporting them, you help me bring new in-person video interviews to you. Okay, we're back. And so I want to break down your Vulture article. Mm -hmm. What's the best way to find a mentor during Hollywood during lockdown? Um, And it all started from a request somebody sent to you. Um, Let's talk about that request.
0: Yes. um, A woman I know had submit it's funny when people I know submit to the, the column because mm. they're just like, Hey it's me, we had coffee once. Um but it usually is like I said, I try to address questions that I hear more than once because mm. one off I can just answer on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. Um but I had heard from a few people, and especially this woman I know who had really articulated it well, who said she was writing and she was doing all the things she felt like she was supposed to be doing, but she had some anxiety about like finding a mentor, that she felt like she was mm. getting a lot of conflicting information, that without a mentor to help you through the through the industry, you're kind of lost, or how, how are you supposed to look for a mentor? Are you just supposed to email people and say, will you mentor me? And I was just like, oh, I'm so glad you asked this, because now I understand why I'm getting all these emails from people saying mm. they'd like to pick my brain or have coffee, and mm. This right. is my opportunity to kind of lay out perhaps a better um, method.
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, and I <laughs> than email. I, I, I yeah. love your response. Um, and uh, but I just to break down a little bit. Your your first response is it's best not to cold email strangers. But I, I, I do find that interesting because there may be some caveats to that uh, in the sense of say for instance how you got started at the agency was technically a cold contact. Um,
0: Absolutely. And I had, um, I actually had a line in it that I don't know if I got edited out or if I edited it out myself, because it sounded like a joke. I mean, if you have a touch point, like you went to the same college, Mm -hmm. or you have a friend in common, or and I think I when I reached out to I should clarify that here. When I reached out to Peter, I had found out that one of the screenwriting professors at Michigan knew him. So I mm. asked, if, you know, it was okay to use his name. So I, I did lay the groundwork for that. So right. that it wasn't just a total stranger. It was like, I'm emailing from Michigan. I spoke to professor. It was Jim Bernstein, who's awesome. He wrote Renaissance Man. Um, I, you know, and he suggested, you know, whatever it was. Like yeah. I laid the groundwork. It wasn't just like, you don't know me, but will you help? Um, which I think can be kind of jarring for people mm. to get, especially busy people.
1: Well, that's a, that's a really good point, and, and I think it's worth um, even going a little further into um, because I, I find there is a lot of cold contacting technically that has to go on in networking, but um, there's ways that you can build a network where you, you have those people who can say, um, can you help me get coffee with this person, or could I mention you when I'm reaching out to this person, or, or that kind of thing. What can people do to, to build that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. One On one hand, you know, like I said, if you are reaching out to someone, you can try to find a touch point, whether it's a university or a high school, a hometown, a friend in common. Sometimes Facebook can be very... Helpful for that. I'm not on Facebook, but I know you can say, "Oh, we have this friend in common," and that will give mm. you like a little bit of a boost. But um, but other than just that, I feel like the focus first should be your own work and building your lateral network. I talk mm. about this a lot, which is like the people who are your peers or just above. Um, you know, I think a lot of writers um, not necessarily make a mistake, but feel the need to reach out, for example, to the showrunner of their favorite show, mm-hmm. which is Sure, but you know, I've seen showrunners' inboxes, and they're alarming. Um so so my advice is like reach out to like oh that that the 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 most junior writer on the show who you follow on Twitter. Like mm. that person might have something to say to you. and might want to help, especially if you come from the same background or you're both women or you're both you know whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um so so the only you know there's this idea that only the person at the very top is is able in a position to help you and that's not true. Like we all mm. rise with the with the tide and I think that's something you need to kind of keep in mind. I didn't have any important, you know, important friends, um, or contacts until we all just rose, you mm. know, and now my friends are running studios or whatever. Yeah. So, so that's how it happens. It wasn't like I, I it wasn't, you know, as a young agent, I wasn't hanging out with the head of universal.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I, I think that, um, something that happens in this lockdown is a lot of people, they're not working right now. Um, and so they have a ton of time on their hands, Absolutely. and it's and it's it's easy to think that so does everybody else. Um, but the showrunners that I talk to, without fail, are just as busy now as they oh. ever were. Plus, they have their kids More. and all that going on. Um, and, More busy. Uh, yeah, and, and everybody's facing the same challenges. Uh, I was talking to a showrunner the other day that that uh, um, he was pitching and his cat walked across the screen and it totally broke up the pitch um, and uh, and I as I'm scheduling things people have to okay I got to take my kids to this and I, people are more busy right now
0: Definitely, because at least usually you have the separation. You can go to work and you're at work and you come home and you're at home. The thing that nobody ever talks about is childcare and how childcare mm. is a thing that makes the entire TV industry work. Because without childcare, and most of the showrunners I know do have children and families, um, without childcare, we're lost. And that's what you're seeing right now because a lot of people don't have nannies around because their nannies aren't safe. A lot of people don't have daycare options. Obviously, schools are closed. so So I would say. When you're reaching out to showrunners right now, they're the most stressed they've ever been.
2: Hmm.
0: <laughs> Especially when they're being told, like, "No, the show isn't. No, the show isn't going. Or we can't shoot until next year. Or we can't shoot until there's a virus." You know, they feel responsible for the hundreds and hundreds of people who are not able to work in the interim. That's hmm. very stressful.
1: Yeah, and you you said something interesting. Asking some someone to mentor you when they're already spinning nine plates at once comes across as a ton of work. Um, that, that totally makes sense because why like and even if if you even if they did say yes they're not gonna have the time to give you no. um, so what can you do
0: so what you can do is like sit back and take a look around you and I hear a lot like I don't know anybody and I don't have any resources but that's not true like you're I doubt that you're in a crew that you're pursuing a creative creative profession without having people around you who are also trying to pursue creative professions so even Mm. if you're both just starting out perhaps one of you wants to write something that the other person directs perhaps you want to record a a podcast that could serve as a proof of concept for a tv show idea you have like you can always do the work but but reach laterally i mean Mm. reaching out to people reach out to people who have the time for you right now and it's not anything to take personally it's not like um some showrunner is getting like 20 cold emails a day and then picks the one that that he or she thinks merits a response like that person Mm. is just not responding to their emails right now you know unless it's like you have a pitch meeting at this time you know yeah it's it's just not i'm not even running a show when i you know my emails are, are are turning into a mess so um so it's about creating the work but also like collaborating with people in whatever mm. way you can having a friend yeah. read and give notes on your script giving giving notes on our friend's script um also like having you know like making sure you have a network of people who are interested in other things like people mm. who are w- interested in working at agencies or interested in producing or interested in because these are the people who are going to buy your stuff man like <laughs> your mm. friends can't all be writers you can't completely dismiss the suits like keep an eye on you know Um, And I don't think networking, I've never, it's not that networking is a dirty word. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't like the idea of it as being like purpose, purposefully going out there to make connections with people you wouldn't otherwise. I think see who you're drawn to, Mm -hmm. um, foster and nurture those connections. I mean, my friends that I work with now are my real friends, my real friends Mm -hmm. I've known for 15 or 16 years. Um, Yeah. So um so it's that it's like building a it's building your rolodex now because mm. as everyone moves along the conveyor belt of success, right, um, like hopefully there will be more people in positions of influence to say, hey, I can't do that job. But you know who you should hire or of course mm. I have a friend who you, you, you should interview. Like this stuff comes up. I mean, something just came to me this morning that was that was, oh, your friend, um, you know, a, 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 your I was a referral from a friend mm-hmm. who passed on something. And I was like, great. You know, like yep. that's great for me. That's more opportunities for me. Um, but this is where it starts. It starts laterally, I think
1: mm. uh, just recently, I talked to Evan Blyweiss. um he played hockey with Sean Ryan <laughs> back <laughs> in the day. Mm-hmm. um but he didn't he didn't join the hockey team to network exactly. uh, and Sean didn't give him an opportunity um just because he was on that hockey team. They just became friends as they were there. they chatted um and Sean became interested in what he was yeah. doing. even when he gave him an opportunity, it wasn't necessarily a great opportunity. It was mm-hmm. just to sort of observe and 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 um, I hear a lot of the the junior levels are actually far more helpful because yeah. they're sort of plugged in to the bottom level. Um, if you're talking to a production assistant on a show, when they move up to writer's assistant, there's a an opening beneath. that they just left and Mm -hmm. they're the only person who they're the first person to know about that Mm -hmm. um so in terms of practicality it's much more practical to reach out to the sort of lower levels
0: absolutely and when you're an assistant too like i I, you know i tell assistants why are you bothering trying to get audiences with your boss's friends like that's not your job right now your job is to Mm. like make friends with other assistants because that will you know that will work out for you in the the long run. And you you know, the Sean Ryan story you told, I mean, ultimately like you don't need to like corner someone and talk to them at work nonstop and like shove Mm. your work down their throat. It's about building a real relationship so that someday when your name comes up, which it will, Mm -hmm. uh, he can go, Oh yeah. Or he or she can go, Oh yeah, I, I like him or I like her, you know? Um, because ultimately, like I said in the showrunner column, you're spending you know 12, 16 hour days with these people in a room. You want to know that yeah. they're not nuts. Yep,
1: yeah. and uh, and never, never, ever ask for stuff. Let them offer. Um, I uh, I knew a girl once. I, I, can't, I can't even forget what she did, but it was something that involved a lot of working with the public. And she she said the best way to get somebody on your good side is ask questions about them. Um, yes. Don't make it about yourself.
0: A hundred percent. When I was an agent, my mentor said, it was a signing meeting. And I said, do you have any advice? She said, the more you listen, the more they like you.
1: Hmm. Yeah, very, very wise. Now, you said um, mentors are willing to slide into place and help you. Um, up when you start to prove yourself useful to their business. Um, that that was really interesting to me because I had to think back. I mean, this is episode hundred nine or something. Mm-hmm. I, I've talked to a lot of different people and I had to think. I almost always ask them about, about mentoring, and I can't think of one case where somebody asked the person to mentor them. No. Uh, yeah, uh, but until yeah. I read <laughs> that, I it didn't it didn't dawn on me that that was true. Uh, talk about that.
0: Um, I think that, again, I think everyone's attention at a certain level, sort of mid-career and up, is so is so diluted and distracted that for them to sit down and focus on you is asking a lot of a mm. human. However, they will notice the person who they find most valuable to making their jobs easier. Um, and so that's your job. Like your job is to make their jobs easier, not forever. Mm. You know, you get to have your own career. You get to be the star eventually. Absolutely. But for now, showing someone what you can do to make their day easier, I think is the easiest way for them to go like, oh, and how can I help you? Or Mm. if someone says, I need to hire a writer, I need to hire a person, even though it's hard to let go of you to say, well, I love, you know, so-and-so who I love a writer's assistant. She was fantastic. Like I yeah. love this person. They were great. So um so yeah, these are busy people. There's a lot of logistics involved. So if it's a if it's a if your superhuman strength is writing a page of jokes in ten minutes, or it's um breaking a story, or it's just like ordering lunch. I don't know. Like whatever it is <laughs> that can make someone's life a little bit better, like that is That doesn't go unnoticed. Um, Mm. The people that I find get promoted from like writer's assistant and get hires, hired as writer's assistants are the people who just, who you can delegate to
2: Mm.
0: and feel comfortable about it. Um, We always, my husband and I have always have like shared an assistant for a long time and we've had a series of assistants, all of whom are now writers or, you know, who've moved on to other things. Mm um other like really cool jobs i think but um but the ones that stick out we always look for we, we go you know send us a writing sample we want good writers because we want you to write you know like mm-hmm. we're gonna ask for your notes we're gonna give you notes we're gonna help you develop the stuff that you have um and then and then just like logistically like just remember just even remembering that like oh no i have this meeting what do i need to prep for this meeting you know like
2: mm-hmm.
0: being our external hard drive like that's really the job right
1: yeah why well, and I and I do I do feel like there's there's a way and I, and I know when you get on staff it's one of the scariest things ever because you think you're gonna lose your job um, you you don't know how you how you can speak up because when when you do it seems like you're not saying anything near what everybody right. else is saying and, and all that but I I I feel like there are ways that you can sort of in subtext ask for a mentor in the sense of some um, somebody said recently in an interview, um, at the end of the week, sort of going to one of the senior writers and saying, how did I do this week? Um, tell me, is there anything I could have done better? Um, and that's, a, that's a, a sort of very low effort way yeah. of getting to them, them to mentor you a little. And if you have that kind of humility to sort of be asking those kinds of questions, I feel like mm-hmm. after a few weeks, it, they are going to be mentoring you. And maybe they don't even know it yet. And then it's mm-hmm. sort of a, easier to slide into that. You you had mentioned sliding into it um, in your article.
0: Yeah. I think it's often more just more organic than that. Whether you're asking for feedback or you say, like, is there anything – I mean, I was the queen of, like, you seem like you're having <laughs> – again, I thought, as I made very clear, I thought all agents were crazy. I was mm. the queen of, like, you seem like you're having a hard time. Like, what can I do? Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, or or a version of that. Because they are most of the time <laughs> having a very hard time. And yeah. it was funny because I was very close to a bunch of like yellers, you know, like these <laughs> are some old school agents. Yeah. These are like agents who threw things. And um and I got like a reputation for being really like good with good with them. <laughs> and yeah. um, not my own boss. She was not she was actually very she was very kind to me. Um mm. but um but I had a reputation for being good at handling them because the second they flew off the handle, I would be like, what is it? Like, what are you really upset about? And it was mm. always something really stressful in their own lives or some sort of insecurity about something that was going on at work, a fear that a client would leave them, whatever it was. It was about like mm. digging under and acknowledging that they didn't exist to serve you. You know, they didn't mm. exist to like make your career, um, that they had their things that were they were worrying about and you were able to help them if only they would share with you. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. Like that really helped.
1: Yeah. And I figure paying attention, too, is, is a big deal. Just noticing, like, if, yeah. if there are problems that are happening fairly often to think, what, how could I be the solution to that problem? It's um, listening.
0: Yeah. It's listening, being perceptive and seeing opportunities to, to help.
1: Hmm. Very cool. Um, and so what kinds of things can people do at the workplace to stand out? Um, and this, this can apply not just in the writer's room, but even just for assistance for, for the writer, writer's assistant or an assistant in, in an agency or somewhere else. What, what are the things that are going to make somebody want to mentor you?
0: I can only speak to my own experience and the experience of like the young women mostly that I've mentored, um, and helped through. I'm sure there are a million ways and other people can, can weigh in with their advice, but, um, In retrospect, I mean, I can't say at the time that I knew what I was doing, but Mm -hmm. um, one of them was don't talk shit. Just don't talk shit, because Mm. if you start talking shit, if you gossip, even if you have been even if you have been lured into gossiping, don't Mm. fall for it. Because the next thing your boss is thinking, it's what are they saying when I'm not around?
2: Mm.
0: Do not talk shit. They want to know that you're trustworthy. I mean, obviously, if you're reporting, like, an actual violation, like, please do that. But mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Don't, like, the idle gossip, like, don't participate. You're there to work. You're there to work. Like, you want to be yeah. sociable and friendly, but, but you know, that stuff is is unnecessary. So, one, don't talk shit. Two, read. Hmm read and live like live experience especially when you're writing and you're uh main and what they really need is for you to bring ideas to the table like make sure you're reading everything and talking Mm. about it so they know that you're interested in the world outside of the outside of uh those four walls again Mm. a lot of showrunners are not sitting around watching reading everything my con, my direct contribution as an agent was i read every script and i read every book Mm. and i told all the you know, partners about it every Monday and said, Hey, I saved you some time. The script is bad. The script is bad. The script um, is good. We should send it to this client and this client to direct. We should send to this client to, you know, like just Mm. make yourself useful in that way. Um, You know, realizing that they don't have, have um, the time. um, mm, There's a thing that uh, there's a tone that um, what's her name refers to you know, you can have whatever opinion you want about Cheryl Sandberg. But she did say one thing in her book, which mm-hmm. I found very interesting. And that was that to adopt the tone of relentlessly pleasant.
1: Um, <laughs> I like that. You like know, that. where like, yeah. I
0: get a lot of stuff done. I don't mm. back away from um, from a difficult conversation, but I'm very pleasant about it. I tend mm. to wander into situations thinking, you know, we both want want what's best. We both come from a place of like, good and kindness maybe one of us is agitated today um, <laughs> but whenever dealing with different situations like relentless pleasantness mm. is a good place to go so practice that yeah. um be nice to assistants you gotta be nice to assistants other than just being humane mm. um they have some of the worst jobs in the industry if not the country mm. um, and uh, uh for many reasons assistants will help you like it's so mm. funny it's such a kind thing to do and it's also so smart i still 16 15 16 years in um i'll meet with execs now in my new life as a writer and they'll be like you were so nice to me when i was an assistant and i'm like i'm so sorry i don't remember mm. but you're giving me so much credit and it i'm really seeing that not that i meant for it to pay off but but it it does mm. um be really nice to assistants, be nice to everybody. Um, yeah. it's, not, and it's not this like once you climb the ladder then you can be mean, no one should be mean. The industry is changing. Mm-hmm. There's certain behavior that is not accepted today that was even 15 years ago. Yeah. And, um, and I think that kind of like simple decency, we're all here to do our job, um, goes a long way. Um, what else? Just be willing to listen. Be mm. willing to listen. You know, I think everyone, especially now that these rooms are so much more diverse and have such a wonderful breadth of experience and backgrounds and they're only getting better, I think. Getting better and better and better. Um. Yeah, just, just, just listen and participate and celebrate other people's voices. Like, act from a place of generosity. Mm. I think that's really important. There's enough work to go around, I promise you. You know, yeah. <laughs> like... If you're good, like, just because someone else has an opportunity, that doesn't mean there's, like, less work for you. There are more uh, jobs. There are, mo- there are yeah. more jobs. There are more ideas. Come up with your own ideas. Pitch those. What, what You know, like, it's not – just because someone else got something, and I, I got – I think I addressed this in a column. Mm-hmm. Um, it was how do you um, – like how do you deal with your friend's success?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't reveal who asked me that question, but uh, I'm gonna tell you that they're super famous now. <laughs> yeah. So, um, like crazy famous. Mm. Um, so how do you deal with your friend's success? And it's like their success doesn't mean any less success for you. Mm. The better your friends are doing, if they're true friendships and true relationships, the better it is for you.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I have to wonder, like people want a mentor. They want somebody to to help them up. I, I feel like whatever you want to receive, you should be giving yourself. And there's always yeah. somebody who's in a worse situation, a younger, knows less or maybe less connected. There's always somebody that you could be helping. And the way this industry goes,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it,
1: it really is true that that person could be hiring you
0: one day hundred percent. But you don't even need to have that kind of like um, the mechanics of it in your head. I think just like if I start to think too much about like who can do what for me, it gives me a mm. headache. <laughs> and if, and yeah. the thing about the thing you said about like what will make a mentor notice you, all I can do again is like this is all retrospect because I know that I was I was really taken care of. Mm-hmm. Always have been by the people by my higher ups, but I didn't set out to do that. Um, mm-hmm. but perhaps the things that I'm the tips that I'm giving you are the kind of energy I was putting out, which was like right. happy to be here, happy to have this job. How can I help? I'm reading a lot. I have a life outside of you people, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but that doesn't yeah. mean that I don't want to be useful. Like I was mm-hmm. very useful.
1: Yeah, very cool. Now one one thing that we have to talk about right now, and that's uh, for a lot of us, the only way we're connecting right now is online. We're spending a lot more time on social networks. We're a lot, spending a lot more time uh, in the virtual world. What are some of the do's and don'ts? And specifically, um, you you mentioned in your article, Glenn Mazzara, you had a conversation with him about this stuff.
0: Yes, yes. I love talking to Glenn because he also like I'm, I'm very much I operate day to day in like a very comedy heavy world. And he is obviously mm-hmm. in like a totally different world. But he's got the same sort of mentorly spirit and mm-hmm. also very little time. So he was happy to kind of share um, this stuff widely. Um, and he brought up a very interesting point about being online because he does. People reach out to him online a lot or they participate in things that he tweets. And and um, and there are things that that draw him to people and there are things mm-hmm. that like repel him um from people and it's very similar to what i said about the energy you're putting out in a workplace he says Mm. that he will often get he'll put out a question or even just a talking point and get things that are additive like whether they're Mm. ideas or suggestions from um not to be gendered about it i think he actually did say like women can be really helpful and then men will neg him (laughs) (laughs) in trying to get Uh. his attention and he's like your end goal is not my attention Mm. there are very bad ways to get someone's attention mm. um your end goal is to prove yourself useful or point me towards something that you wrote or directed or created what have you created of value mm. today is always the question um because negging me or disagreeing with my opinion he's like i'm not <laughs> saying i'm right all the time but yeah but then you know he's like and then i'll look at a profile and the person will say they're an aspiring writer well then why are you picking fights with showrunners online that doesn't make any sense
1: Wow. 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 And and he also talked about um what people can be doing with their time right now involving writing.
0: Yeah, he basically said, he said anything, he said, create something. He's like, anything with a beginning, middle, and end. Like, a script is a script. Lots of people write a script. You should absolutely have a library of scripts. But have you thought about a podcast? Have you thought about audio play? Have you thought about a short film? Have you thought about animation? I mean, there are all these things Mm. that you can do these days with just your computer Mm. and, like, maybe one other person, Um, but not really. Like, you can do do the one-man, one-woman, one-man banding that, like, that Mm. wasn't, available to people 20 years ago when it was just like a spec script would make your, make your career. It's not, it's not like that anymore. Um, and also, you know, I think, I, th- I don't know if I put this in the column, but here is another thing is, is, um, I understand that, you know, a lot of writers uh, or aspiring writers too are super passionate about the things they watch and they read. Mm-hmm. Um, and without being too, I don't want to be, um, What's the word? I don't want to censor anyone, but maybe think before you put a negative opinion out there that someone worked really hard on it
2: mm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and that someone might be in a sad place where they're Googling their name
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah. person
0: might be in a position to hire you on mm. a show that you like. You wouldn't do that in a job interview. I don't think it's exactly censorious, but you wouldn't go into a company. Like I said, you wouldn't go into a company. You wouldn't go into an interview at McDonald's and, and then shit on Happy Meals for 20 mm. minutes. You know, like, yeah. that's just not, your presence is a job interview.
1: Hmm. And, and I think, um, again, not, not necessarily um, doing it too methodically, but looking for opportunities to encourage that are genuine. Um, yeah. Like when, when you saw they did a really good job on something to articulate what about it was good. Uh, No, nobody dislikes hearing well articulated comments about how good a job they did.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And um, and reaching out to people when you like their work without, without a desire to get a response, Mm -hmm. but just saying, Hey, I love this article. Like, you know, it really connect. I really connected with it. People are no matter what level they are, no matter what level they are, that desire to connect with people and the desire to hear feedback doesn't go away, Hmm. you know?
1: Yeah. And it doesn't actually take that many responses to, to know who somebody is, even people who reach out to me on Twitter about the podcast. Even if they never say anything, I, I start to notice who's liking the tweets yeah. a lot. Um yes. or, or even just three or four or five uh, nice comments. I know who that person is. They're all this all of a sudden a little more genuine than the random masses out there. Um,
0: it, yeah. Yeah. My approach to Twitter is very, um, and I've totally, I've made this mistake before, but I try to undo it. Is um, You know how they say you shouldn't drink when you're sad? Mm-hmm. You should not go on Twitter when you're angry.
2: (laughs) 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 You're not going Twitter. I won't
0: do it. Good advice. You add a bunch of nonsense, which will get me a bunch of likes and retweets. But no, no, then I have to backtrack and be like, no, I was just mad. I didn't mean to wade into this kind of conversation. Um, I tried to keep it really positive. Like, on Twitter, mm-hmm. I share what I've read and I liked. I, you know, I boost other people's work. Um, mm-hmm. I reach out to other people. I, like, enjoy a conversation. But I just, if I feel that anger, which, by the way, I mean, it's a chicken and egg situation because once you get on Twitter, you're mad. <laughs> but once you feel the yeah. rage, step away. Mm. Step away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people have had social media fasts in this, uh, this virus.
0: Oh yeah, I was off. Um, I was off of Twitter and Instagram from December to the beginning of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and then I just started feeling very lonely because the internet was my only. <laughs> all of a sudden, my only connection to people. So yeah. I came back on, but I have to be very regimented about it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's it's quite interesting. If you find yourself in a creative rut, sometimes just completely unplugging is the best way to to kickstart it.
0: hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Cool. I do it whenever I'm stuck.
1: Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of our time here, but in summary, um, strengthen the lateral network, rework your online presence, polish your scripts and make that short film or podcast. Um, in essence, be the kind of person writing the kind of scripts that will make somebody want to mentor you or represent you or hire you. Is that about sum it up? Oh, yes. Yep. Well, let's, I, don't let's, why I, <laughs> I don't
0: know why I. don't know why needed 100 words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, well, well, you also mentioned that tail of your article. Um, let's say that people have been doing all of these things, and we're still in quarantine. Maybe three, four, five months from now, God forbid. Um, uh, you mentioned that there are some live people who, for for a fee, can can help.
0: Yes, there's this company called Sidetime which has mm-hmm. reached out to me, but they have um, I have two friends who are lovely, David Iserson and Susanna Fogel. Susanna writes and directs and David is an like has been a comedy writer for ages. He wrote on SNL. He mm-hmm. um, he wrote The Spy Who uh, Dumped Me, which Susanna directed. They're awesome. They're super talented, super kind, uh, very grounded, smart people and Mm. I can't imagine two better people to be on side time, but you can call, you can set up appointments with them and pay per minute, which is like, I don't know, a dollar a minute. And then for these, for them, um, the, I think, uh, David is sending all the money to the NAACP legal defense fund. And then Mm. Susan is sending money to, um, organizational, an organization called ghetto film school. So it's like, it's a great cause. If you have like 30 bucks to spare and you want to talk to a real live, well-respected working writer, Those two are good resources.
1: Very cool. Very, very neat stuff. Um, So just to wrap up, make sure everybody follow at N-A-A-N King. That's your Twitter handle? Yes,
0: non-king, yes. (laughs) Non-king
1: on Twitter. Uh, And before you ask Priyanka questions on Twitter, make sure you check out her great articles. You can find them all at Primatu.com, P-R-I-M-A-T-T-O-O dot com. Um, And I suggest that people... Do your homework on her website first before reaching out to her.
2: Thank
1: you. Cool. Thanks so much, Priyanka. This has been awesome. I hope it's very helpful to the viewers. And uh, best of luck to you in your filmmaking and writing and all the things you do.
0: Thank you. So great to talk to you.
1: Yeah. That's all we have for this week. See you next time. Bye-bye.